Hello and welcome to the South Carolina Lead. I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on May 14th, 2021 from South Carolina Public Radio Studios here in Columbia. Just so you know, some of the information in this podcast may have changed by the time you've heard it. This episode is a bit of a throwback to those pre-pandemic days, back when we'd have a journalist or two on talking about the latest news of the week. Well, we're doing that today, folks. For Sine Die, we got Jamie Lovegrove with the Post and Courier and Mayan Schechter with the State Newspaper. So stay tuned, we'll get right into that after the latest on COVID in the state. Additionally, we want to hear your stories, still. So we set up a voicemail box to hear from you all about your life during these uncertain times, which sound like they're becoming a little bit more certain, actually. So leave us a one to three minute long voicemail at 803-563-7169. Leave us your name, where you're calling from, and what's going on in your world. Tell us about this new CDC mask guidance. If you're vaccinated and not wearing a mask, let us know. Give us a call. 803-563-7169. Now for the latest in South Carolina. Currently, the spread of COVID-19 is ongoing, widespread, and still not contained, folks, according to data from the Department of Health and Environmental Control. There have been 9,627 total deaths, and currently there are 586,585 total cases being reported in all 46 counties as of May 14th at 4 p.m. Our percent positive is 3.2%. There are currently 345 South Carolinians hospitalized with COVID-19, 94 are in intensive care, and 49 are on ventilators. Now, you've probably already been made aware of the new CDC guidance that, based on new recent research, states that those who are vaccinated can safely do a multitude of outdoor and indoor activities without wearing a mask or socially distancing. Yes, folks, this is the future we've been talking about, thanks to vaccinations. Which, however, still remains stubbornly low in our state, at 35%. A number that will drop once the 12 to 15-year-old population is factored in now that the Pfizer vaccine has been approved for them. Now, there are still some things you need to wear a mask for, even if you are fully vaxxed. You still need to mask up on public transportation. I'm talking about planes, trains, and buses. DHEC says people should still continue to wear masks when in schools, healthcare facilities, correctional facilities, and homeless shelters. Also, people who have weakened immune systems should consult with their physician to determine the best course of action for them. A private business can still implement a mask mandate and refuse you service if you don't follow it. That's their right, folks. Remember, 65% of our population isn't vaccinated. So, go get vaccinated and ditch the mask. That's what the CDC is saying. And just another tidbit before we get into our discussion. Per Axios, 99% of the COVID hospitalizations at the Cleveland Clinic are unvaccinated people. Now, we've told you this from the beginning, that while there are some short-term side effects to these safe and effective vaccines, the long-term benefit is that you won't die from COVID, and it also dramatically reduces your chances of severe illness. Pretty good. I'm sorry you can't lose weight because you get it, but you'll literally live. (laughs) Well, we made it through another legislative session, sort of. There is still plenty left to do, including passing a budget next month before the new fiscal year starts on July 1st. But we'll worry about that later. To recap what happened and what didn't happen this week, I'm joined by some wonderful people that have been covering this legislative session day in, day out for the past 18 weeks. You know them, 
I know them. They are Jamie Lovegrove with the Post and Courier and Mayan Scheichter with the State Newspaper. Y'all, welcome back to the pod. Welcome back, guys. It is so it's exciting so to be back, Kevin. I yeah, missed you. I, likewise. I, it's, it's like I haven't seen you, or I feel like we I haven't know. seen each other. I know. I can make it really honestly. It's just it's just good to be heard these days, you know. It's good to hear and, and be heard. So, uh, Jamie, kick us off. It was already an extremely busy news week this week with the gas situation, the Caslin plagiarism fallout, McMaster lifting the mask ordinances, and oh hey, by the way, there were some big bills going through the state house as well. Uh, what did you pick? One or two bills? Some big action that we saw this week in the state house. So, uh, you know, one that that I've been following fairly closely throughout this session is the open carry gun bill, uh, which got passed. Um, the Senate approved several amendments to it last week that were mostly sort of tinkering around the edges, leaving the thrust of the bill intact, um, and sent it back to the House. The House for you know, got to be the third, fourth, maybe fifth time this session had another debate over whether or not to expand it into what supporters call constitutional carry, maybe more accurately described as permitless carry, which would allow any legal gun owner, um, regardless of whether they have been trained or have background checks to to carry gun handguns openly in public. That failed again. So instead, what passed is the you know somewhat more modest version that allows concealed weapons permit holders who do have to go through training, do have to get background checks, they can now carry handguns openly in public. That will take effect 90 days after the governor signs it into law. He will probably sign it into law within the next week or two. It is important to emphasize that there are still three months after that um, before it takes effect. So um, folks would still be breaking the law if they do it before that point. Uh, but that that is pretty significant change. It means South Carolina joins uh, 45 other states that have some form of open carry law on the books. A lot of debate, a lot of long drawn out debate there too. And my aunt, another bill that had a lot of debate too was uh, the execution bill. This is something that we, I've, I mean, I've been aware of, been following since I think 2016. They've been talking about trying to get this uh, alternatives to the lethal injection uh, execution method because we, we can't procure the drugs anymore in the state. They don't sell the drugs to states anymore. Tell us what happened there. That crossed the line. That's going to the governor's desk as well. Right. I, and I was trying to remember that, that press conference that the governor had with Brian Sterling, the head of the state's Department of Corrections, a few years ago um, when there was a, a gentleman who was, I, I guess he had exhausted all of his appeals, was, was up for getting the lethal injection. And they announced, obviously, that they didn't have the the drugs, the cocktail necessary to carry it out. So this is obviously an issue that Brian Sterling has been pushing for for some time. Um, the the legislature took a, a very dramatic approach. So the execution bill that is also headed to the governor's desk for for his signature, and he says it will will sign, would make the electric chair the default method of execution since the drugs are are not available. But it also gives the option of firing squads. Uh, that is an amendment that was made in the Senate um, from a, a, an unusual pair, perhaps, to most people um, from Democrat Senator uh, Dick Harputlian of Richland County and Oregon County Republican Senator uh, Greg Hembree. The two have, have tried uh, death penalty cases um, and have a very longstanding legal background. And so they, they paired up on this. I mean, they both said, I, if I remember correctly on the floor, it's, it's not the most ideal 
but uh, much, much less uh, uh, painful, perhaps, if you know you you choose the firing squad option than than the electric chair. Uh, there are not many states that have firing squads. I think only three states: Mississippi, Oklahoma, and, and Utah do allow death by firing squad. Uh, so this certainly puts us in a very unusual pack, perhaps. But correct. I mean, we we haven't been able to carry out executions in a very long time. The state's prisons uh, department has has said that they have a few people who have exhausted their appeals and and they're ready to do it. And Brian Sterling told a House panel several weeks ago that once uh, this bill does become law, they they can they can start carrying out executions and they feel prepared enough to also carry out firing squads. And it sounds like there might be some appeals and some court battles just based on this as well. So that's going to be some stuff we'll be watching, I'm sure, going forward. Speaking of uh, some other issues going forward, Jamie, now, unlike other states, we didn't have any massive election integrity bills go through the legislature this year. It's good to know that our elections, like elsewhere in the country, are still very secure. However, we did see one bill move through the legislature. Jamie, give us the details on what happened there. Sure. So, you know, as with so many other issues over the years, the House and the Senate just could not get on the same page on this one. Uh, the Speaker, Jay Lucas, introduced a bill at the beginning of the session, was, you know, clearly a priority of the most powerful person in the House to effectively give the State Election Commission significantly more authority over the county election administrators who typically oversee what goes on at a local level to effectively standardize the process in all 46 counties across South Carolina. That arose, the speaker said, after some of the lawsuits we saw in advance of the 2020 election when Democrats were suing, you know, for example, to get the witness signature removed from absentee ballots. And, uh, you know, they found out basically through those lawsuits that all these counties had very different processes for how they verify witness signatures, you know, in that specific instance, but also a whole range of other issues. The county election administrators were not very happy about that proposal. They said they the one size doesn't fit all and and uh, you know that they need to take uh, unique actions to fit their unique needs. And the Senate uh, agreed with them. Senator Chip Campson had his own bill that kind of left county authority in place. And instead, what the Senate wanted to do was add, uh, their own, basically insert themselves into the process for the state election commission by adding confirmation votes for the governor's uh, nominees to the state election commission, to that five-member commission. So they passed that. In the last week, the Senate offered sort of an olive branch. They they basically combined their bill and then sort of did a, a diminished version of the House's bill. They would, they would expand they would standardize the process to some degree, but they would not give the state election commission absolute authority over the counties. Um, but the House ultimately declined to even take that bill up, and the Speaker said that they'll continue, uh, you know, basically working over the off season to try to see if they can reach some agreement. The governor is clearly on the House's side, as he is in a lot of uh, policy debates, um, but but nothing came out of that. And other than that, you know, really all the other election uh, related laws went barely anywhere other than a few really minor ones dealing with things like filing fees um, and things that... Advertising in the newspaper and all that that stuff. Um, Mayan, what's kind of an expected week? We're talking about no real surprises here. A lot of bills we've been talking about have maybe crossed over to another chamber and are either stuck in committee or being objected to on the Senate calendar, uh, including the hate crimes bill. Uh, Now, that bill had a really kind of interesting journey this session and came out of those hearings from last summer uh, in light of the protests of the murder of George Floyd, uh, I want to get your thoughts on the Judiciary Committee. Uh, we just saw you know, the new chairman take over that committee this year in the House, Chris Murphy. 
Um, you know, we saw that bill go through. We saw sentencing reform go through. All of them are stuck in the Senate right now. Uh, kind of give us a take about why they just didn't make it through in the Senate. And, uh, you know, they did have a little bit of a late journey, I would say, through the House. You know, obviously some other things cropped up like, you know, the trans uh, sports situation with like high schoolers and middle schoolers. They also got stopped in House Judiciary. But focus on those other bills that we were just talking about. If you recall at the at the beginning, months months before session started, after George Floyd, as you mentioned, the speaker put together a bipartisan, pretty large uh, committee looking at criminal justice reform, looking at sentencing reform, looking at police reform, and hate crimes was one of the bills that came out of there. Obviously, Charleston uh, Representative Wendell Gilliard has been a big pusher for for years to try to get this done. Uh, State Representative Beth Bernstein, who's the legislature's only Jewish lawmaker, uh, was someone else really pushing it on that committee. And as you mentioned, it came out of the House and it, and it passed pretty overwhelmingly. I mean, there were definitely concerns from, from Republicans more so uh, about the bill. Uh, but there was a big effort to get it done. And the speaker was, was one of those who, and as Jamie mentioned, pretty powerful guy, um, helped to get it across the, the chamber into the Senate. Uh, and then it got stuck there. There is obviously there are fewer uh, uh, lawmakers in the Senate, uh, and there are now 30 Republicans. And there were some serious concerns from many of the Republicans who worried um, how exactly this hate crime legislation really would be carried out if it became law. Um, and so that's why they they pretty much diluted it. I mean, they I mean the legislature pulled out a, a lot of the provisions that were in it before. Um, making it to the point where you basically have to, you know, commit a violent crime uh, in order to to get the hate crime uh, penalty uh, enhancement uh, yeah. penalty onto you exactly, and and so once that bill became the way it was, it, at the end of the day, yes, it also was rejected by a lot of Republicans, but there were Democrats too who were pretty upset with the way that that bill looked at the end of time. I mean, there was a Democratic senator who tried to send it back to the Judiciary Committee. In, in the Senate, um, and that, that did not work. Certainly, the Senate could have had time to pass the bill, um, but they chose not to. Um, and it's really unclear whether the Senate will try to take it up again next year. Obviously, the bill survives for, for one more year. But that is one type of you know legislation that we, we've seen in South Carolina a lot, where it takes something, a spark, to, to get a bill kind of passed quickly. Uh, this was a bill that was endorsed heavily by the Chamber of Commerce, Big businesses, including Walmart, they held a press conference yesterday, uh, pushing for the bill signage yet again. But it, it's it's really unclear what the temperature is going to be like in the Senate next year, and especially considering that maybe some of them have have grander ideas for for other offices. Definitely, yeah, it will be an election year, at least in the House and for the governor. So a lot will be in play there. Jamie, we've got to wrap this up really quickly. I want to ask you. Um, you know, you just heard Mayon talk about how much more uh, conservative the legislature got this year, obviously with that uh, large majority in the Senate, 30 to 16. Uh, we saw it grow in the House as well. I want to ask you what we're going to see happening in the immediate future in the coming weeks. We still have to pass a budget. Like I said, uh, anything that we're watching in conference committees where the House and the Senate lawmakers need to hash out a bill. Uh, what's going on? What's in limbo at this moment right now? Maybe what are we looking forward to next year? It's like six questions in one. (laughs) Answer them all with one word. (laughs) The the budget is obviously going to be significant. You know, we are going to finally start getting some financial stability, I think, over the next few months that we really have not had over the last year. And we'll have a much clearer picture of 
what our revenue is going to look like, uh, and and then we'll be able to to have a, a much more complete budget picture, and and so that will be important. But you know, I mean, certainly the thing I'm really looking forward to most over the next year is redistricting, uh, which will happen in the fall. Uh, you know, that was supposed to happen this spring. You know, actually, the one benefit in some ways of the census getting delayed was that we were able to have really a full session without redistricting taking it over. Um, but what it does mean is they're going to have to come back probably in August, maybe September, and they're going to have to do that. And that's going to have huge political repercussions for the next decade. Uh, so that will be a, a very important few months there uh, and uh, will affect not just the 2022 elections, but, but elections for quite a few years to come. Gotcha, Jamie. And then, um, Mayan, I want to ask you really quick, what's on tap for next year? You know, we have Senator Tom Davis talking about medical marijuana uh, being taken up when we get right back in January. Like we said, hate crimes is still active. Sentencing reform. What are you, what are you watching for? What are you looking for either next session or in the coming months? Like Jamie was just talking about. Yeah, I, I would agree with Jamie. Redistricting is definitely on my on my watch plate this this coming fall. Um, so very kind of excited about just seeing how all of that unfolds. I've never covered that process before. Medical marijuana, um, as you mentioned next year as well. Uh, Senator Tom Davis has made it a point and made it very clear with his colleagues that he is going to push that legislation uh, very aggressively. And so I think, you know, we should look to see what what Davis does if his uh, fellow Republican colleagues uh, refuse to to, to put that up for debate. And, you know, I think we almost have to expect the unexpected. It's an election year for the House. It's an election year for the governor. So, um, we got through a lot of very controversial hot button, you know, pieces of legislation this year, and this was not even an election year. And so I think we just have to kind of prepare for the unexpected next year. And hopefully we don't have a pandemic again. So <laughs> yes, I agree with you there. And Jim, you just said that you, uh, you spoke with Senator Davis too. Any more insight in addition to what Mayan just said? Yeah, he said that he has gotten a commitment that it will get special order at the very beginning of next year. Um, so it'll effectively get, you know, the fetal heartbeat treatment that we saw in the abortion bill this year. It'll be basically the first thing that comes up, um, you know, and then and then we'll at least get some kind of, you know, hopefully some kind of up or down vote. And and it may well be a down vote, um, but we'll at least get some clarity then about whether or not this is something that can actually feasibly happen or whether South Carolina will remain one of an increasing – a dwindling number of states that do not have even uh, medical cannabis legalized. Yeah, and it's not even uh, smoking it. It's just medical marijuana oil. It's right. just for medical purposes. Very tailored, very conservative bill there from Senator Davis, which we'll be watching when we return in January. But, of course, like we were just talking about, there's plenty of action happening in the off season. We'll keep you abreast with it. We'll be talking to these guys. Uh, I know we have a limited time here, but guess what? Here's a little sneak peek. I'm going to have these two on this week in South Carolina next Friday. So we'll have some more time. That's a little cross-pollination right there, folks. That's what we call it in the biz. But thank you again, Mayan Schechter with the State Newspaper and Jamie Lovegrove with the Post and Courier. Always great to talk to you, too. Thanks, so Gavin. Great to hear your voice, Gavin. <laughs> By the way, you're coming on the show uh, next week. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Hope you don't have anything to do Thursday morning. (laughs) Welcome to the wind down section, our little break from the news. You can tell us what's going on in your world by leaving us a voicemail at 803-563-7169. 
We want to hear from you guys. I know sometimes you're thinking, Gavin, I don't have anything interesting to say. Well, that's a lie. You are lying to yourself. <laughs> I, I I barely have anything interesting to say. You listen to my wind downs. You guys know I have nothing to say here. Gavin is one of the most boring people I've ever met in my life. <laughs> that's I mean. like that's on my Twitter bio. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, let us know how boring you are. Call us, 803-563-7169. Exciting news. Oh, Someone did call. We have two calls. We have two calls in the hopper. We're only going to get to one because, I mean, I, we got to we got to space it out. You know, <laughs> we're actually going to listen to one second of the call over the next uh, seven weeks. But uh, <laughs> no, we're we're going to play it in its entirety. Don't worry, folks. You're going to get it all. Uh, so here it is, Gavin. Hey, this is Mark calling from Greenville. Uh, just giving an update. Fourteen months into the pandemic. Excited to say, fully vaxxed, whatever fully means with all the variants, but. That is uh, is a weird feeling of excitement and having superpowers and still not knowing how to be around people. We're going to a Greenville Drive game tonight, socially distanced, but still uh, going. And it'll be intriguing to see some of the awkwardness of <laughs> not yet shaking hands and all. But um, it feels like there may be a glimmer of hope in the pandemic. Uh, update on the book I talked about in the previous call. It got published. So uh, my, my latest book is out, which is exciting. And one of the benefits or one of the interesting things about the pandemic is we've been meeting at the happy hour with a group of friends from around the country every Thursday since the first week of shutdowns. Um, and we're still going, which has really, really been really uh, rewarding relationally, helping us kind of walk through these times together, along with you all, of course. Uh, the podcast has been very helpful. And I don't know if I have a clue to why why there may not be voicemails coming in. Uh, the the cell reception out in international waters is was spotty for me. And so I think, I wonder if a bunch of us listeners were out there looking for those air fryer drop-offs. Maybe we missed the rules or the, uh, the, the procedures we we're supposed to go through, but uh, I think the cell phone reception in the international waters may, may hold the clue to why there haven't been many voicemails lately. Thanks for keeping us positive and going. <laughs> Have a great rest of your day. Hey, Mark. Great to hear from you in Greenville. Yes, fully vaxxed. We're talking superpowers here, people. I oh, totally yeah. hear you about that. And yes, it's still a lot dealing with social interactions for sure. I can tell you, even when you go out, it's just very... You're, we're all still relearning out here. And it's I, so I'm in weird. this horrible place right now where I'm trying to make up from like last year, so I'm like going out too much. Yes. Which is my mom's like stop doing that. I was like, well, I'm like, I, just, I can't help myself sometimes. So that's your superpower. That's my though. Superpower. Yeah. I keep giving, but uh, very excited <laughs> to hear that you have your Zoom happy hour still going. A lot of people. That's I mean, crazy we, I don't me. think I even made it to the fall with mine. You made it longer than I did, and, yeah. and uh, it was impressive to me to hear that one is still going. Oh, I mean, I'm unheard of to yeah, hear this. Uh, unprecedented at best, and I do also like. I would like to mention that we we have published authors that listen to the show, okay? <laughs> yeah. So oh, yeah, definitely. eat your heart out, uh, everyone else. And um, obviously, why you're having a hard time hearing us on the open seas is because you're using a cell phone. I mean, you have to use a satellite phone. You got to use a sat phone. If I learned one thing from Jurassic Park Lost World, it's you need the sat phone, baby. And the lead recommends Magellan. Ooh, Magellan satellite phones. <laughs> yes, we can hear you, Magellan. Yes. I think they still make Magellan phones. Oh, uh, who knows? <laughs> anyway, uh, Josh, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, intern Josh. What's uh, up, guys? Oh, He's love, back. love to see it. Love to hear it. Um, So, Josh, we're going to do every Friday Josh's, Josh's headline, yeah? 
Yeah. So what, do you, what do you have for Headline, us? Oh, yeah. He's got some news of the what, week somewhat, that we don't know about. Somewhat conversation topic. Yeah. yeah. Let's hear. Uh, Let's hear. So I learned real quickly from AT, everyone's a movie buff here. <laughs> and uh, Oh, not just him? Zing. Yeah. Yeah. Zing. And I just know the best. <laughs> we're all aware that, uh, you know, Hollywood exaggerates when they reenact true events, which sure. sometimes can yeah. be disappointing. But mm-hmm. I found one that kind of kind of actually amplifies the story. Okay. Um, we've all watched, or hopefully we've all watched Catch Me If You Can with yes. Leonardo Love DiCaprio it. and yes. Frank Abagnale. Frank Abagnale. So there's new updates that... Some of the most memorable cons in the movie are actually exaggerated and not actually true. Like mm. the one where he impersonates the pilot. Sure. And the one where he passes the bar exam. Yeah. Oh, so that's a big one. I know. So some details <laughs> about the airline pilot, it actually is just a case of like petty theft and stalking. Oh. <laughs> yeah, oh. he made he made friends with a flight attendant while dressed up as a pilot. And then just creeped. Yeah, he memorized her work schedule so he oh. would always end up where she was. And eventually invites himself to meet her parents. Oh. And, and when Cringe. she leaves, when she leaves, he basically cons her parent parents for like twelve hundred dollars in checks and local businesses. Come on, man. So I thought about it though, and I realized the con man yeah. conned the whole world to think he was a better con man than he was, oh. thus making oh. him an even better. Even con. better con man. Yeah. I love this, Josh. I love this. <laughs> But I, yeah. I, I mean, we're like we're inside the dolls right now. We just oh. keep oh, and there's another doll. You know, oh, there's so much more. <laughs> the onion. I didn't know there's so many layers to this onion. The yeah. inception of cons. Oh, oh. now that we're, we're we're going more DiCaprio here. Oh yeah, I didn't realize that. <laughs> Whoa, my mind's getting. I'm already done. Mauled like a bear. <laughs> Please Revenant, no so. more. I can't handle Please much more no today. Please no more. I will say, uh, I was talking to a friend of mine who will remain now, uh, nameless. If she's listening, she knows who she is. She knows what she did. But she never finished the second tape of Titanic. What? I don't think she even really got through the first tape. Josh, have you ever watched a tape? <laughs> what What are we talking about? We're talking VHS, VHS tape. Tape. Oh, VHS. Yes. And okay. when you went to Blockbuster to rent it, it came on two tapes because it was so or long. Or if you owned it. Yeah, or like if Sound you of Music, it. two tapes. Yeah, Godfather, two, two tapes. Two tapes. Godfather oh. 2 or Godfather 2 tapes? Godfather 2 tapes. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> there were two tapes of the Titanic. Correct. Yes, because it wow. was so long. It sinks in the second one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, spoiler! That's what she says. Oh, I already know what happens. It's like, yeah, but you don't know like the the passion and uh, everything that happens. And when you know, you know Kate Winslet and she saves Leo. Spoiler. Diamond. Yeah, throws the diamond in the sea. But Josh, have you ever watched the VHS tape? Yeah, I had a collect when I was. Younger, all the Disney movies. <laughs> okay. yes, in the yes. pussy were, packages. Those yeah, were those nice. were the quality ones. Those were the quality. That's how you knew it was good. But anyway, thank you, Josh. Amazing Great headline. Great update. Wow, really Amazing. coming out strong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> way to start. Great start. Appreciate that. Gavin, take it out. Thought, Say goodbye to the people. I thought it was going to be about the Kentucky Derby horse, but... <laughs> Ooh, that's cancel culture. Bob Baffin, that, he ate some oh pee-pee yes. hay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about that next week after the Preakness this weekend. <laughs> More like Freakness, know what I mean? Take oh, it out. I've been, on that, I've been in that infield. Yikes, back when it was the Freakness. We'll talk about that on Monday, Tuesday. Thanks for listening to the pod, y'all. You can show us your appreciation by leaving us a review or a voicemail like Mark did at 803-563-7169. And you can stay up to date with the latest news on SCETV.org and SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org. And don't forget to support your local newspapers. For the South Carolina lead, I'm Gavin Jackson. Be well, South Carolina. 
That looks okay. Stop looking at my voice like that, please. Oh, look at these pigs. All right. Hold on. Wait, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> <laughs>